0: Um, well, <coughs> it was always in my mind uh um well for, for a few years anyway, and then uh Thomas Edes and the Los Angeles Philharmonic and the Barbican asked me to do something, and I gave them two projects, and uh, one of them was the wild and um, that is the one they wanted and um so it all happened very quickly. I mean it happened within almost like eight months or something like that which is very fast, very quick for me to write an opera, and um, so I had to come to terms with it uh, then. And of course many people would say, did say, what on earth could one, can you add to Oscar Wilde, you know, the the text is so, um, they say, so perfect and cut glass and all of that. And of course it's true, and uh, then I wondered, um, was that a real issue? But uh, but I certainly was not going to say no to the Angeles no, Philharmonic. So I said, I'm going to solve this, and uh, I did. I, so I cut two-thirds of the text, so there's only one-third left. And um, the more you cut, actually, of the text, you, the more you realize how strong uh, the wild structure is. Uh, it's incredibly strong. I mean, so what you have left in my remaining third it, it are, are the bones of the text. It's an x-ray, really. And it's like a metallic um, skeleton and uh, its it stands uh, <laughs> very strong. And actually, if you hadn't read The Wild before and only read my remaining third, you would not know that anything was missing. So everything is uh, essential. the, the essence is, there, is there, yeah? yeah. Did, did that uh, cutting, you know, making,
1: turning into a libretto, obviously tightening it all up for an opera. Does that sharpen characterization, you know, in comparison with the original play?
0: Uh, well, it um, it it uh, brings forward certain things which uh, are obvious in the play, but it shines a um, it shines a light on them which makes them more uh, lit and spotlit, you know. For instance, um, I don't cut any reference to food in the play, and there are a lot of references to food. So because I cut two-thirds of the text, of other kinds of text, but nothing to do with food, food looms then very large. And the men are definitely as interested in food as they are in sex. Uh, so food and the women really, it's a toss-up between the two <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, because definitely you cut two-thirds of the text characters do become sparer and um, more vivid in a way I'm not saying it's an improvement in the wild, it's just my version mm. so for instance I, I make minor adjustments like I never have the butler say sir, for instance, he always says yes or no which is unheard of. So immediately you remove these, yeah, the the, yeah, the sirs It takes on a strange, uh, almost sinister quality, because no servant speaks to his master in that way. Did you hear what I was playing? No, I'm sorry. I don't play accurately. Sentiment is my forte. I keep science for life. Yes, cucumber sandwiches cut for Lady Bracknell. Yes. In
1: terms of the play itself, Gerald, as you said, it. You know, it's a very famous text by Wilde, of course, and uh, it's a masterpiece and all that. Does that get in the way at times? Did, did you ever feel like it's a bit of a shadow? You know, that, Oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. Or, and Not that you subscribe to I can't yeah, do this, can't yeah. do that, but, but you know what I mean? It, does it become iconic?
0: Or no, just I never felt that. I was, never, I, 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 I was all completely at home with the text. I was a little frightened of it at the beginning because I didn't know how to handle it yet and so I was nervous of it its its fame and uh and all of that and I was wondering how on earth am I going to get around it and um that was a little bit scary at the beginning so what I I I, I made this decision that uh you know there are all these famous lines in it like um Uh, a man who marries without knowing Bunbury has a very tedious time of it. That's one. Another one would be, the truth is rarely pure and never simple. Life would be very tedious if it were either in modern literature complete impossibility. Okay, so I decided to have a chorus like, and they would deliver these famous um, lines... As if they were hymns in a Bach passion, so the St John's and Saint Matthew passion, they would be the hymn like hymns, these hymns things, or like things held up in the placards in the crowd in the protest in the streets. of So I did have this chorus.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ich höre House, den wieder, Alle Menschen werden Deine wieder, was die Alle Menschen werden Brüder, der Alle Menschen werden Brüder, der and having only used the chorus um, three times, actually, the another time, there all this chorus, simply shoots out and they say, Who is Cecily? and like a, like a voice from the gods very loud and uh then i i suddenly realized i uh, felt um, confident with the text mm-hmm. and i didn't need the chorus anymore mm-hmm. so they only sing for about 90 seconds actually then that was after using the 90 seconds i grew in co- I'd grown in confidence and i didn't need them anymore to to do this thing at be this this uh, Bach, uh, passion choir and so i dropped them and so, so they remain in Act One uh, briefly, but they're pre-recorded because it's simply too expensive to have a chorus just for ninety seconds. And uh, so, the the advantage is that um, they have this uh, Deus ex machina quality. It's like really, it's like the gods suddenly speaking, roaring from the clouds. Um, a man who marries without one is a very tidy, tedious time of it. Uh, so it's it's really funny actually and and good. So there you
1: are. <laughs> I Did you, in any sense, have problems finding the right tone or the right color, the
0: right key into this particular work? I did actually, and uh, and I can give you a specific specific example. Um, I was uh, intimidated by the text at the beginning. That was in my choral period where I was using the Spach choir kind of thing, and I was determined to work at Wilde's level. I just this, you know, that I would uh, be at his level and do something as brilliant. And that was my undoing, actually, at the beginning, because uh, I was too focused on that. And I wrote this music, which was profoundly original, and <laughs> wonderful, and ecstatic, and it sounded terrible with The Wild. It sounded completely fake. And I couldn't figure this out. I really had done my damnedest to write some really good music uh, to match this text, and it didn't work at all. And I was very disappointed. I knew that the music was good, and I knew it wasn't working. And, um, and then, uh, if you want to call it a penny dropping, whatever, I realized that um, it suddenly came into my head. That I was not going to write original music for the the opening. Um, by the, by the opening, I mean, but, but at the first time, any character sings, and the first person who sings, in fact, is Algernon, when um, he says, "Did you hear what I was playing?" He had to lay in the butler, he's, Algernon's playing the piano on stage. Anyway, so um, then the. the um, he has a conversation with Lane and then Jack comes in and they have a conversation about bread and butter and um, cucumber sandwiches. And um, that is pastiche music. I wrote, I switched, I, sh- I ditched my um, original music of great originality and I, I chose this pastiche. And it's serial pastiche really. It's good, actually. It's good. It's good. Serial music. I, I like it, and um, and uh, it, that worked. Isn't that strange? It worked. A big and It worked. Uh, I thought, for some peculiar reason, in that um, the the whole play is about deceit and fakery, and in some strange way, my fake music was truer to Wild, to Wild's fakery, than my original music. My fakery matched his fakery and they submitted.
1: Why serialism?
0: I mean, well, I don't know because I I've always been interested in serialism and I, I love. I love serialism I mean good serialism of course and you can you realize people of course uh, a lot of people think it all sounds the same but of course it it doesn't at all I mean uh, you know when you hear uh, music by you know um, Schoenberg and Weber and then you hear all these hundreds of people you never, one never hears of now and you really see the difference and um, it's just like you know Mozart and Haydn it's exactly the same I mean who do we think of now we think of Mozart Haydn Beethoven and Schubert not very many more of that stature but there were thousands of composers working at that time Thousands, you know. So it's the same with uh, Schoenberg and Webern. There were thousands of people who were hopeless who wrote in cer- you know, serial music, and um, there you are. The last time we met, Gerald,
1: we were talking about v- various musics. But one of the pieces that came up was Feldman's Penny Editions. Oh yes. Which I didn't hear, but I think you. Mm. I think you were writing at that stage. Mm, yeah, Just yeah, finished. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But one one of the things that struck me when we were talking was you said that it it, it pursued you into your dreams, with. When you're writing, when you're working as intensely, say, I know this was a couple of years ago and the importance of being earnest, do dreams, do, do you start hearing earnest in your dreams?
0: Yes, I have very, very vivid dreams. I dream all the time. Um, in and fact, sometimes I mean, my dreams are wonderful, sometimes they're, they're awful, horrible, and so I don't really like going to sleep because I think I'm going to have a horrible a nightmare. But in fact, I f- frequently dream. I had a wonderful dream, you know, my great friend um, Barbara Hennigan, the soprano, she appeared to me in a dream the other night. And she said, um, what did she say? I wrote it down, I sent it to her. Um, and she, and uh, so she said, um, you are not to read or write in Helsinki. And I said, why? And she said, because if you are caught reading and caught writing in public, you will be arrested. I said, really? And she said, yes. And if you go into the main square every night at 2.30 a.m., the police will naturally wonder why and arrest you. And I said, oh, God. And she said, yes. <laughs> that was a dream. So I, I sent it to her, and she said, that was not a dream. I was there.
1: But musically speaking, if you dream of music, mm. I mean, not just the dreaming of a, of a good friend. Yeah. Can you translate that into when you wake? Can you go? Uh,
0: Well, I uh, actually—that's a more difficult one, Uh, and uh, because usually being a dream, being uh, dreaming is often being like uh, being drunk. Really, Uh, when you're drunk and you write music, as I, you know, sometimes try to do, trying to have done in. unfortunately you think you've written something extraordinary and of course it's usually rubbish and um, what drink can do is drink alcohol is extremely good actually in the in that it can uh, lead you definitely into uh, spaces uh, which are very interesting and so you can't you probably won't achieve very much in that state but it will lead you into a space of of uh, realization and then the following day, you'll benefit from it, maybe. Not always, but you can. Do
1: you think it opens the subconscious? Absolutely, yeah. it does, yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: yeah. And uh, uh, so, so actually dreaming, especially sounds, actual sounds which are notatable and still good, that's another, usually, is not the case. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it, I'm sure anything is possible and it could happen, but usually it won't be as exciting as it was in the dream because you were in some kind of drunken state in the dream. Um, I, I believe the orchestra is
1: made up of winds uh, which outnumber the strings which are outnumbered by brasses mm. was there any particular reason for that? I mean. no it's usually money
0: actually <laughs> <laughs> it's usually with money I mean uh, that you know like uh, this opera has toured, well Edo was in, in LA a few times and then in London and Birmingham and um, uh, I'm sure knows. Um, so um, e- economics does play a, um, a role in it And so, anyway, I'm very happy using that particular string quintet and uh, loads of woodwind and brass. And um, I, um, so, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, there is an opera house, one opera house um, asked me, who might put it on, Uh, it's not certain yet, if I would agree to increase the strings. And, of course, this is a, a very wonderful opera house, and I said, um, absolutely, I became a complete um, slut, and I, I thought I'd turn into Mantovani if they want. You know, I don't care. They can have any number of strings they like. So, um so that could could be changed. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Then our future is one of passionate celibacy. That is not the destiny I propose for Gwendolyn. Come, dear, we have already missed five, if not six trains to miss any more. Might expose us to Conrad on the platform.
1: Everything is quite ready for the christenings.